Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host, Ron Baker, and folks on today's show, our best books of 2023. Hey, Ron. Hey, Ed. This is my favorite show of the year, I have to say. You know, I was thinking about that, that this show is always a joy to prepare for. That I mean, I mean, the soul of enterprise, like I never I never think, oh, my God, I've got to prepare for the show. What 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 drudgery, right? That never <laughs> enters that never enters my mind. Sometimes it's harder than others yep. just, just because of the nature of the topic. But this one is truly just a joy to prepare for because it, it, it really gets get, get in a reflective mood. What did I learn this this past year? And even the books that don't make our lists are somehow become influential on you once again, because you recall some of the ideas that you took from them as well. Uh, so it's really just a, a, a happy time for me to prepare for this show. <laughs> I agree. It forces you to reflect on what you've read. And it's kind of like mm -hmm. an after action review. But, you know, we always like to start this with a quote, Ed, and I've got one for you that I found. And it's from Charlie Munger, who passed away last year. So we talked about Charlie mm -hmm. last week's show. Uh, and he said, in my whole life, I have known no wise people over a broad subject matter who didn't read all the time. None. Zero. There you go. Well, Our thanks to Charlie Munger for providing a great setup quote. Well, I, I, I'm up first, I guess, Ron. So let's uh, let's dive right in. And. Right. My number five book, uh, we're, and we'll do the, our just to let our audience know. If we, perhaps if you haven't heard, we do our top five. Uh, Ron likes to sneak a few extras in, although we, you know, as, as honorable mentions, but that's perfectly acceptable. Uh, so there's 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 no hard and fast rules on this. So I'm going to start with my number five book, Ron, and that is Social Justice Fallacies by Thomas Sowell. Sure. Just a a fantastic book. Uh, I, let me read to you, though, what I think is is a, a great um, introduction to this book, and that is a quote from the only one star review. Right. And here's here's what the one star review had to say. An interesting read, but disappointingly lacking in substance with a limited number of examples used repeatedly. <laughs> Curious to find 70 pages of notes at the end of a mere 130-page text. <laughs> so if it was a limited number of examples over and over again, why were there 70 pages of notes then exactly? <laughs> so as usual, Thomas Sowell is, is, is terrific. Uh, here's some great quotes from this book. Stupid people can cause problems, but it requires a genius to cause a catastrophe. <laughs> um, 
In a world where nobody believes that all racism has been eliminated, black married couples have consistently had lower poverty rate than the national average and less than half of the poverty among white female-headed single-parent families. In other words, some behavior patterns seem to pay off. Uh, so once again, this is incredibly researched, really well thought out, uh, just some terrific things. And and my favorite uh, concept, and this is not a direct quote, but concept of this, is that not even do we get equality in families as the firstborn child is more likely to be a national merit scholarship winner than all younger siblings combined. So if we have within families this tendency for statistics to show out that there's not equality of outcome among siblings, what, what can we possibly expect from society at large? What the, the expectation is just completely flawed. And he points this out over and over and over again. And as your great quote about Thomas Sowell, the book is like chewing nails. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the first time this has ever happened, Ed, but you actually took my number two book, mm. Thomas Sowell. And okay, uh, I agree. Everything you said, uh, you know, what he talks about in this book, like he does in, I think it's his book, Intellectuals and Society. And if I were to respond to that one star review, that's what I'd tell him. Oh, you want more examples? You want a 600 page <laughs> book that's got all, a lot more? To go take a look at this book. Um, but anyway, equality does not exist in any endeavor nor anywhere in the world throughout history. And, he, and he's got an international scope on this and he piles on example after example. And just a simple one, the hockey where there are more Canadian players than USA players, even though USA is eight times the population of Canada. So what he's really going after is disparate impact. Mm -hmm. And the idea mm -hmm. that any, any disparate impact in any endeavor is mm -hmm. the result de facto of discrimination. And he says, right. it can't be true because it's, it's universal yeah. all throughout history. And he said, you know, minorities throughout history have dominated and outperformed dominant majorities. Um, I, I just don't know how anybody can read this work and not come away changed. I really don't. And I think the fact that DEI proponents never mention soul, it, it, they can't refute him. So they just ignore him. They just hmm. ignore it. Um, and I think that's why it's so surprising every time we mention soul that people don't know who he is. Mm -hmm. They've done a really good job silencing this guy or just ig ig ignoring him, not mm -hmm. silencing him, ignoring him. Yeah. And he needs, you know, his, his ideas need to be thrown in the arena mm -hmm. because they blow up the, the counter arguments with facts and evidence. So yeah, yeah, beyond the fail. And look, I, I don't know. I don't think it was in this book, but the, you know, the other thing you bring up, bring up the hockey, but I remember thinking this when reading the book, I, the, even um, soccer players, the international soccer players, the, the, the way that international soccer works is every, every, everybody's birthday is really January 1st. Right. Right. That's how they do it. So if you're born in at any point in that year, you, you are renewed. So therefore, most international soccer players that make it to the, 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 the among the elite are always born in the first three months of the year. Yeah, I think that, yeah that, that's true for hockey, too, isn't it? That's yeah. How they, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a fantastic book. And, you know, what Tom is, Thomas Sowell is 93, I think, or 92. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this isn't his last book. Got my fingers crossed um, because <laughs> well, I love the guy. 
Well, I've heard some I heard some interviews with him about this book, and if his is is quickness of mind is any indication he's going to be around for another couple of years at least. So and just, and just so uh, everyone knows, we did have the great honor of interviewing Dr. Soul on episode number 25. I can't believe that goes back to our <laughs> first year, December, 2014. Wow. So it'll be 10 years that we, and we since we interviewed Soul at the end of this year. Wow. Okay, good. And we're, and we're still reading them. Yep. Yep. All right. All right, Ed. Well, my number five is While Time Remains, a North Korean defector search for freedom in America by Iomi Park. And Mm. I I read her first book, which is uh, called In Order to Live. It's the story of her and her mother's harrowing escape. And I can't stress that enough. Harrowing Mm -hmm. from North Korea. She was 13. Her mom was 41. They were sold into sex slavery in China, which is very, very typical of these defectors. When they first land in China, they finally arrived in South Korea. Park eventually made it to America. And that's the focus of this book, which is their second book. Jordan Peterson wrote the foreword to this book. And he said, Park has all the intersectional virtues. She's an immigrant, female, suffered under tyranny. She truly speaks truth to power. You would think she'd be a feminist darling. You'd be wrong. (laughs) Um, YouTube demonetized her popular YouTube channel, kowtowing to China, um, because she says bad things about the CCP and their puppet ally, North Korea. Mm -hmm. Park was born in 1993 at the beginning of the terrible famine in North Korea, the arduous march that is estimated to have killed about three and a half million people or roughly 10 percent or so of the population 10 12 percent and she ate cockroaches and dragonflies on the way to school she escaped to china for as she says a bowl of rice she just wanted to eat and she was 19 when she first visited the united states she says the only country even more magnificent in person than its reputation in january 2022 she became an american citizen and she attended columbia university which is a big focus of this book Uh, in January 2016, where she got hit with woke culture. And when a fellow student chided her for using the wrong pronoun, she wanted to tell this fragile soul about life in North Korea versus life in America. She says, that's why the subversion of critical thinking is so dangerous. It's the mechanism by which humans lose their faculties as individuals and succumb to groupthink, which is a precondition for every totalitarian society on earth. She moved to Chicago, where she was assaulted and robbed in broad daylight, like walking down the, what is it, the Miracle Mile or whatever. She -hmm. wasn't in a bad neighborhood. I mean, she was in the, you know, this part of town. And and, uh, and she worries that the USA, in certain respects, reminds her of North Korea, where the control of institutions by a small class of people who are eager, eager to punish dissenters. She's not left or right, Republican or Democrat but rather she's committed to the absolutist ideology of individual rights and freedom because she experienced firsthand the opposite ideology. She says, I do see threats on the horizon. That's why I wrote this book because I escaped hell on earth and I walked across the desert in search of freedom and found it. I made it to the promised land, had a son whose first, whose first breath was an American citizen because I want us, I need us to keep darkness at bay. This is an incredibly powerful book. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you think. 
Um, I love the epigraph. Uh, it's something her father told her. He said, yama ya, tigers leave behind a coat and men be leave behind a name. Make yours good and lasting. She has dedicated her life now to human rights and improving the lives of people suffering under tyranny, a life of meaning, a life that would make her father proud. That life would be lived in America. Indeed, this is an incredible book by an incredible human being. I'd love to get her on the show. Fantastic. All right. Well, good stuff, Ron. Uh, rather than try to squeeze one in, I'm going to take our break a little bit early. I want to remind those of you listening that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. We'd love for you, of course, to rate this podcast. You can do this by going to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE and rate the podcast. Also, give it a review, and we promise to read every single one of them, good, bad, and ugly, on the air. We, our segment here is sponsored by Bookskeeping Franchise. Check them out at bookskeeping with an X franchise.com. And now, a word from our sponsors. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Ron, we talk a lot about business opportunities. Well, now a great one has become our sponsor, bookskeepingfranchise.com, bookskeeping with an X. That's right, Ed. If you are interested in becoming part of the $4.2 billion bookkeeping industry for a franchise fee of just under $20,000, visit www.bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping comes with full training, plus marketing and technical support, and even staffing. Visit the website or call 855 935 2669. Franchise opportunity not available in all states. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. On The Soul of Enterprise today, Ron and I are counting down our best books of 2023. And Ron, my number four book 
We didn't have the author on, but we did do a show about it. So it's a little bit of a somewhat of a cheat. But uh, and that is Goldratt's Rules of Flow mm. by Efrat Goldratt Ashlag. And I, the, the re, it wasn't I almost wasn't going to include it. But I have to say that the more and more I ponder this book, the more and more I think this is going to have a long-term impact on my thinking. <laughs> so I'm I'm putting it in the best books in anticipation of revisiting it much more in the future. Uh, I just love some of the ideas that were presented in this book, and I'm not going to read all of the different rules of flow, but I, I did want to, to, to just mention one that is has, I've been reflecting on ever since then, just because it's 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 in alignment with a lot of the things that we talked about, and that oh, we talk about on this show, and that is abolish the local optimum, global optimum is what matters. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had just in the past two weeks, so re- really in in January, where I've been sharing with partner organizations and people that I've talked to who are still obsessed with the what's my profitability per engagement or what's my profitability per 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 job uh, or per customer. And whenever I try to explain the concept to them that, yes, if you're if, but if the more you focus on profitability of every single job, the less profit you will make overall. This seems to fall on deaf ears. They cannot process this. And I've been recommending people read Goldratt's book because it's in there. This this abolished local optimum, global optimum is what matters is is an example of that. Uh, and I really think it's an important concept. Yeah, it's why he railed against cost accounting because it was mm-hmm. it was uh, blocking his theory of constraints from being implemented. It was the cost accountants who said, no, no, we have to break everything down. And whether it's activity based costing or whatever, and try and you know optimize each unit each or each section of the line or whatever and he's like no the goal is to it's a system you got to optimize it overall you can't just break down one piece of it um i'm I'm really thrilled you love that book because i i'm the one that read it and and i kept saying i wonder i wonder if ed is going to agree with this or disagree i wonder if he's ever thought because i've never heard you use some of the language that was in that book Mm -hmm. which really got me i mean i love the concept i i love the, the word flow as opposed mm-hmm. to say efficiency. And yeah, that book had a profound impact on me. It's not in my list, but it would have been like number 11. <laughs> okay. Sure. So in there for sure. All right, cool. Well, this is kind of the same thing. It's my fourth book and we didn't have the author, but we did do a show on it. It was show number 444 and it's capitalist punishment. How wall street is using your money to create a country you didn't vote for by Vivek Ramaswamy. And this endorsement of his book is not mean I endorse him for president, but I do think this is a great book. It's a follow-up to his book, Woke Inc., which we also talked about, I think, in the previous year, Where, but now he's taking the ESG movement uh, criticism to a new level in capitalist punishment. And, you know, he raises questions about the use of retirement funds. Uh, he criticizes the subjective nature of ESG scoring, scoring, citing examples like, you know, why does FTX have a higher governance score than Exxon Mobil? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and examples like that. And the biggest idea in the book for me, Ed, and I think even in the book, just objectively, is this idea. We all know what greenwashing is. Mm-hmm. He talks about green smuggling. And that 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 was an incredibly profound point because 
you know, greenwashing is fraudulent. It's like misleading advertising, sure. right? Yeah. Um, but he says the largest scale problem is green smuggling, which is involves non-ESG funds ad- adopting ESG policies, right? So these State Street, BlackRock, all these, you know, they have the shares, they can vote the shares. Even in their non-ESG funds, they vote their shares with ESG policies, mm-hmm. even though that's not what how it's represented to the you know Mon Pa who are investing in the index fund or whatever. Um, he's got lots of examples in here, and he he, he uh, ex- explains the origins of ESG, tracing it back to CSR and and uh, sustainable reporting and all of that. Um, he critiques shareholder or stakeholder capitalism. Um, which is kind of the broader issue under um, that overlies ESG. And he, he talks a lot about BlackRock and criticizes it, thinks it should be busted up from its ESG to its non-ESG uh, you know, uh, portfolios, which is kind of interesting. And um, it was just it was just an excellent book. You know, I mean, people I know Vivek is kind of perceived as a clown. Um, and some parts of the conservative movement or the right or whatever, because of his run for president. And yeah, he could be pandering to the Trump voter, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to his books, this guy can write, he can think, and he's, he's really, really flushes out a very cogent argument. And I think he's one of the the most vocal and uh, astute proponent or, uh, you know, critics of ESG and worth paying attention to. So I really enjoyed this book. I agree. I think he should stick to writing books just so. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> and, uh, he's, he's done himself and to a certain extent, his uh, opposition to this, a disservice by his, his performance during his presidential run, but be that as it may, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll allow him a little bit of a uh, pass on that. Okay. Uh, Ron, I'll get my, my number three book and I'm, uh, I would be willing to bet not, my house, but a considerable mortgage payment or two that you have not read this book. Uh, this book is called Redaction. Redaction by uh, uh, Tidarus Kapfar and Reginald Dwayne Betts. This is a, a an art book and a poetry book. And Reginald Dwayne Betts came to our attention. He's appeared a, a several times on uh, Econ Talk, but this is from his January 23 2023 appearance and um, this this book that he put out it was part of an art show and I'm just going to read a, one section of the the poetry from you uh, and it's it's a fantastic book it's beautifully done the idea the concept of redaction in here is that what he went through is he went through uh, police reports and 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 trial notes and uh, even um, indictments of folks and redacts stuff and turns it into turns it into poetry. And then he's written additional poetry uh, uh, to go beside it as well. So here's here. Here's from one of the poems. Whatever about expectations on a Monday, the small birds sing the same. And again, and I do not call my father. There is something about these stories we don't tell. My father told me success is a synonym for random or coincidence or as he called it, his favorite word, happenstance. He never called me happenstance, but there is something of this to that. So one of these happenstance Mondays, I was in my garden hoping to make more than my regret grow. Just really, really beautiful, deep stuff. Uh, and by, by one of, 
I, I, I think that a, an intellectual who's who's written eloquently, uh, he was in prison from the time he was 16 years old and in solitary confinement, and a book was slid under his cell door and changed his life. Uh, if you want to talk about someone who has uh, had uh, books change his world, uh, Reginald Dwayne Betts has got to be on the list of people whose whose lives have been changed by books. Yeah, I you know it, I I can remember those shows listening to him. I know he's been on twice, and I think I find the guy fascinating. He's just brilliant. And yeah, he was in prison, and uh, it reminds me too, Ed, of uh, that Ken Burns episode that we talked about about you know uh, the the people going to college behind bars. Mm-hmm. What was it? College behind bars, right? Something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The PBS yeah. special, but I mean, this guy could have been one of the professors. <laughs> yeah. He carries yeah. on these conversations with Russ, you know, about different books he's read and this and that. Yeah, he's really profound. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very yep. cool. Yep. Well, well, this book, my number three book, rhymes kind of with yours. It's called The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin. And for me, this book started slow and I almost I lost interest in it really fast, but I stuck with it mostly because uh, Tyler Cowen had this guy on his podcast and I thought he was really intriguing. He just spoke in profundities. I mean, like every, everything out of this guy's mouth was like profound. Uh, Mm. It was just amazing. And then Scott Scarano, when I was on his show, he mentioned to me, he, he says, I have two big mentors. He said, you and Rick Rubin. And I finally put it together that, oh, yeah, Rick Rubin, I heard him on Tyler Cowen. Well, he's a Grammy-winning producer, named one Mm -hmm. of the top, you know, 100 most top influential people in the world by time. He's collaborated with Tom Petty, Adele, Johnny Cash, Red Hot Chili Peppers, a whole bunch of others. And um, I loved how the book started. He says, creativity is not rare, uh, not a rare ability. It's not difficult to access. Creativity is a fundamental aspect of being human. It's our birthright. And it's for all of us. Um, he makes the distinction throughout the book between the physical and the spiritual, not religious, but but spiritual. And um, I just love some of the things he says. Uh, I'll just share a few of them with you. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, no one is the same person all day long. I mean, so to your point about, you know, the twins or whatever, or, mm-hmm. the, or the, the siblings in a family, you know, they're raised up. Well, you're not even the same person. You're not even equal with you. <laughs> Even on the same day, let alone, right. you know, across years in, in the society. Um, he said the goal is not to fit in. As soon as convention is established, the most interesting work would likely be the one that doesn't follow it. Um, it's, it's helpful to think beyond what's been done before. The world isn't waiting for more of the same. Uh, our continual quest for efficiency discourages looking too deeply. If <laughs> I love this. If we remove time from the equation of a work's development, what we're left with is patience. Mm. If you've truly created an innovative work, it's likely to alienate as many people as it attracts. The best art divides the audience. If everything, if everyone likes it, you probably haven't gone far enough. Um, art goes beyond language, beyond lives. It's a universal way to send messages between each other and through time. Um, and he says, if you are creative or, or, uh, he says the magic is not in analyzing or, or the understanding the magic lives in the wonder of what we do not know. 
I, this book is absolutely profound. I loved it. It's short. You can dive in anywhere, which is what I should have done. I should have just jumped into the middle. If I would have jumped <laughs> in to any other spot besides the very beginning. I would have been hooked on mm-hmm. the first thing I read. So uh, I, I, Rick Rubin is a genius and he's kind of behind the scenes guy. Like he doesn't have a picture on his Amazon author profile. You know, he <laughs> likes to be in the background, even though mm-hmm. he's around all these stars and, um, it's just an amazing book, The Creative Act, The Way of Being by Rick Rubin. All right. Sounds good. Well, we are up against our break. want to remind our listeners that they can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise, show notes, previews to upcoming shows. Our uh, Patreon page, patreon.com slash TSOE is available if you want to listen to the show commercial free and also get our bonus episodes. At a certain level, you can also get a shout out like... Blake Oliver at Earmark CPE does check his workout at earmarkcpe.com. Also, our Patreon channel is sponsored by our friends at 90 Minds. Find a mind at 90minds.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And on the Soul of Enterprise, we are counting down our best books of 2023. And Ron, my number two book, um, and I'm hoping this is not your number one book because <laughs> we're going to have <laughs> they're going to have a really fun show extending this out a little bit. But m- number two, Life After Capitalism by George Gilder, The Meaning of Wealth, The Future, Economy, and the Theory of Money. Ron, is that number one? That's number one. It it has to be. It has to be. It's George Gilder. I mean, but but it's a profound book. I mean, I think it it was as profound to me as Superabundance was last year, which was both our number one books as well. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So you know, just you know, the short learning on this, of course, is is him extending his theory of of uh, the economy to wealth is knowledge, growth is learning, information is surprise, which was the addition that we hadn't seen really before, and then money is time. Uh, I love the fact that the whole money is time thing was a complete tie-in to superabundance because he indeed wrote the forward to superabundance, and I think maybe had some of that in mind when he was writing Life After Capitalism. So I think there's a there's a huge connection there. But I have to say, Ron, my my favorite part was during the interview when I was I was dubbed having what is now known for George Gilder as the Clesp principle, which is if we create something that becomes sentient, then there must have been something that created us to become sentient. Yep. And he dubbed it the Clesp principle, which will go down in the annals of the soul of enterprise. And my personal, I might, you know, that might be my epigraph. <laughs> <laughs> Epitaph it might, might be on the tombstone. Gilder has a class principle <laughs> because he said, "I never, I, I've never." Th- he said, "That's interesting. I never thought of it that way." You know, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, yeah, this is a great book. I mean, it's a new economic theory. He says we have a new economy. We have a knowledge economy. We need a new economic theory. So rather than looking at incentives, which Gilder argues are ubiquitous and don't, and therefore can't really explain everything. Kind of like how you know gravity doesn't explain airplane crashes. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just not a good theory, and uh, he, he's trying to explain ingenuity and creativity and knowledge accumulation and abundance. And you're right, um, you know, he did write the forward to Gail Pooley's book, Superabundance, with Marion Tupi, and they Gail Pooley wrote a couple chapters in this book, if you remember, where he laid out his time prices, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is a really good synopsis by the way of the time prices um uh, theory and you know he also talked about economics as a creative dance where he said it's not about order and equilibrium it's about creativity measured by disruption disorder economic growth and surprise economics is a dance to the music of time and he also um talks about capitalism's critics in here i mean if you if you look at the title it makes you think he's talking about Oh, we're going to transcend capitalism, but that's mm-hmm. not what he's doing at all. He's giving a new theory that undergirds capitalism. He says, even as the global surge of capitalist abundance liberates the poor, capitalism's critics have found a new capitalist victim, the earth itself. Abundance becomes poverty because it despoils the world, which I think is a great point. Um, he gives several examples in here. We talked to him about the shipping container which he kind of uses as a metaphor for the information mm-hmm. economy and moving information around. He ta- he highlights some entrepreneurs in here, the guy doing graphene, um, you know, and uh, he talks about, he said, you know, uh, we had the stone age, the bronze age, you know, Virginia Postrel. I always think about the string age. It should be called. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, and, and Gilder says, you know, we've had the Silicon age now get ready for the carbon age. Um, will, will the economists notice not until after the fact, I'm afraid, since they pay so little attention to entrepreneurship. And he also challenges the monetary theories of Milton Friedman and the Austrians for that matter, discusses the flaw in Bitcoin. Um, you know, and, and we talked about this and then we talked about it more on the bonus show, but you kept asking them, you know, why is Bitcoin flawed? And he says, because it's capped because Mm -hmm. it can't, it can't grow. And you said, well, why can't we just move the decimal point? But the bigger point is that truly good money wouldn't be actively traded. 
it'd be like a swapping $5 bills, right? It's a measuring stick. It, mm-hmm. so money can't be part of what it measures. Um, money is a measure of assets, not an asset itself. It's meant to facilitate the exchange of assets. So he gives the example of the foreign exchange market, you know, the Forex market, which trades $8 trillion every day. That's 73 times the world's GDP. He said gold used to perform the same function with a lot less transactions costs and noise to the system. I would love to ask Michael Munger about that because that's exactly right. Think about the foreign you know, currency market, which is the largest market in the world, bar, bar none. Nothing comes close. Mm-hmm. And it, all it's trying to do is, is make that measuring stick you know, viable or constant. But it does so with incredible transaction costs. And like you said, gold did it better. And, you know, Bitcoin or maybe some other digital currency might be able to fill that role uh, down the line. I, you know, he talks about time prices in here. And I I just, I I think he deserves a Nobel Prize for this. I really do. I do think it's a new theory of economics. I, I, it's, it's breathtaking and it surprises this book. I really, really liked it. And, um, don't don't ignore this book, folks. In fact, I was talking to somebody last week, Ed, who listens to the show and is interested in subscription. And he said, oh, by the way, thank you so much for interviewing George Gilder. I've never heard of that guy before, but he says, I can't tell you how many books, Life After Capitalism, I've given out because of that mm-hmm. interview. So um, that was great to hear. So yeah, George Gilder. It was show uh, 442. We had him on last year. What, what what just continues to amaze me is I see reflections of this all over because I was listening to a podcast today it was talking about the farm bill and how it is government inter- intervention in the price system that continues to skew everything. And any market that you can think of that's screwed up has a government intervention and they're specifically mucking around with the price and yet – most people don't perceive it as that. So the other example, and this is one that's near and dear to my heart right now with college coming up, is the t- the cost of tuition, the skyrocketing cost of tuition, and how how people don't can't understand that that is directly tied to the easy availability of student loans. Of course, pr- they're going to raise their prices when most of it is not going to be covered uh, by by them, and even by the student, and they're going to be able to take loans for it, and then you know plow that stuff into administrative administration there's not more professors really per capita or not where our student ratio isn't going down there's just more administrators and rock climbing walls and swimming pools which i guess are nice but you know why do we need that in college to teach to teach teach these kids what's going on in in the world it's it's really confounding and this is you know tying back to uh, pano canelos in in austin austin university uh, and the work that he's doing there, but yeah, the the, I, t- the, the distortion of prices uh, by the, using the monetary system is such a huge problem, and that's why you're right. Relating this back to time prices, which is the only thing that pollen, politicians can't inflate, they can't inflate time anymore. So <laughs> if we do do a direct time, if 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 money equals time, then they're done. They can't. They can't expand expand on that. They can't deflate or inflate time. Yeah, the, the one thing we'd want the idiots to do, they can't. You know, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's a really good point. You know, his growth, his learning point is, if if we subsidize failure, if we don't let the market take out 
the, the losses, you know, the, the businesses that lose were, were stifling learning, which ultimately mm-hmm. is going to stifle growth. And I, I want you to hold on to that opinion, Ed, about um, student loans from the government being the reason for skyrocketing tuition, because I have a story in the stack for our bonus show. Mm-hmm. It's going to challenge that head on. And it's by our friend, John Tamney, who we've had okay. on the show, who you know I love. He's, he wrote that book, Both Sides Are Wrong. Right, where right, he goes right. After the left and the right and says, nope, you're both wrong. Here's the. Re-. Now, I don't always agree with him, but I always find him thought provoking and he always sure. gives me pause. And he's given me tremendous pause on that very issue that you just spoke about. So yep. we'll talk about that in the bonus show. But yeah, no, I. It, Gilder is just amazing here. So yeah, can't left, uh, can't recommend life after capitalism enough. Well, let, b- before we get to, I guess I, all that's left really is my number one book. Then, yeah, so let's you, let's you let's cover the water. Sorry about that, my friend. Well, and and just just for the proof, though, that we we have we never compare notes. We have never done that. We've never okay. tried to compare, uh, and we have had the both the same same number one books before because I, I think that happened yeah. at least last twice year, previously. Last year for sure, yeah, yep. last year for sure, and then I think it happened one time previously. So let's let's talk about some honorable mentions, Ron. What do you got on your list from honorable mentions? And this certainly can include people that we've had on the show. Right, right, and and I do have some, and and. You know, I have a top 10 list, Ed, so I'm going to give five more during the bonus. I, so I won't include any of those. Oh, okay. But so this one, is <laughs> one I really liked was Simple Complexity, you know, by mm. William Donaldson, Willie, who we yep. had on the show last year. I forget the show number, Greg. Sorry. But um, th- that book was phenomenal, just like you like the rules of flow. And that was another honorable mention that I mm-hmm. had. Um, I just thought that Willie did such a great job explaining systems thinking. And he did it in a non-turgid way as opposed to, you know, reading Senge's book, The Fifth Discipline, I mean, which was mm-hmm. a slog to get through. Um, so that, that, that would be one I'd have. And another one is I, I read by Dan Sullivan and another guy who escapes me. His, uh, his name is co-author. But the book 10X is easier than 2X. Mm. How, world, how world-class entrepreneurs achieve more by doing less. And it's kind of the 80-20 principle. On, on steroids, but this shows you what to do with the 80%. Mm. So you can focus on the 20% and then just keep doing that. And it, and it lays out a framework to help you do that. It was absolutely profound. And it, the, the book's central point is, yeah, if you want to, if you want to grow by 5%, 10%, you're, you're stuck in an efficiency trap, incremental improvements. But if you set your sights on 10 X, my God, you've got to, you've got to change the game. You know, not not just in terms of products or services, but in terms of what you focus on and, you know, what you're doing as, as the entrepreneur, or the leader. And mm-hmm. it, just, it just lays out a great framework. It was a really, really thought provoking book. All right. Well, I'm going to give a couple of my honorable mentions when we get back from the break, but I want to remind everyone out there they can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website, of course, is The Soul of Enterprise. Show notes, previews to upcoming shows. Do, again, check out our Patreon channel, available at patreon.com slash tsoe. If you want to get rid of the Greg Kite commercials, listen to that show commercial-free. Then also our bonus episodes that we do every week right after the show. But our third break here is sponsored by my employer, Sage. So let's hear from them and we'll talk to you in a few minutes. (laughs) 
A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Counting down our best books, and I stole Ron's Thunder this year. <laughs> and and had had two of mine on the list, and it just so happens that I had mine before his. But that's okay. That's the that's the way things go sometimes. Ron, just in terms of some honorable mentions on my side, and this will certainly include some uh, folks that we had on the show as well. I got to give a shout out to uh, Doctor A- uh, David Affley mm-hmm. uh, for his book Saving Grace. What a profound and moving book, and what a truly gracious man. Uh, when he was on the show, really loved uh, that that conversation with him. Um, and it, along in the same lines, Tornado of Life by uh, mm-hmm. Dr. J. Uh, Baruch as well. Uh, and then, of course, I got to mention Muppets in Moscow, uh, just just because N- uh, Natasha Lance Rogoff, we hope to have her husband, by the way, on the show at some t- point in 2024. I have connected with him. He's a Harvard a- a- economist. Uh, and a China expert. So we look forward to having him. He ha- did not turn us down, but was just not in a position where he was right now to be able to do it. But he said, yeah, give me a call in a couple of months and and we'll see if we can uh, have. So that would be f- fun to have him on. And the other one that I just wanted to mention, I it, probably didn't talk about this at all on the show, maybe the bonus show quickly, but uh, Amity Shale's book, Great Society and New History, just absolutely fabulous book. I actually listened to that one on Kindle and it, and it was really good one to, to listen to on, I mean, I'm sorry, audible because there was a lot of stories and it's just stories that you hadn't, hadn't really heard and the in, insight as to what was going on when the, the great society was put, put into uh, practice and uh, learned a lot of really neat things that I hadn't, hadn't known before about that. So those are my that's my quick list of of uh, honorable mentions. Anything else you want to mention, Ron? Yeah, no, I yeah, I love Amity Schlegel. She's a great author. That '60s book was really good. She also wrote The Forgotten Man about the Depression, FDR, mm-hmm. the New Deal. 
She also wrote a biography that's highly acclaimed on Coolidge. It's been in my anti-library forever, which I want to read. And uh, yeah, she's a great author. David Alfrey, love that book, Saving Grace. We did have him on. I read it last year. So it was mm. in my top list last year. Right. Um, but that was a profound book. And I loved Muppets in Moscow. That was a fantastic book. I've only got one more to add, Ed, because I've never read it. I've quoted it forever. <laughs> the, the Little Prince. The Little Prince that you can get on Kindle for like a buck. It's mm-hmm. the most amazing book. A, the guy was a French pilot, I believe, in the war. During World War One, I, I believe. Yeah. I think yeah. that's right. And th- I just love the book. It, it's just profound. It's a kid's book, but it's got so many lessons, especially even for Is it, though? People. Is it, though? Well, 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 no. <laughs> well, yeah, that's. That, yeah. In fact, there's a foreword in the book, I, the version I read that, that says that, you know, did he. <laughs> Is, was he really writing this for the kid or for the adult <laughs> reading it to the kid, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, but great book. So I'm really curious about your number one now. Well, you probably could figure it out with much to, to, too much thought. It ha- has to be to Peter Block's Confronting Our Freedom. That's uh, my number one book, our, our terrific interview with 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 Peter as well. Uh, and look, the, some of the stuff that he came out with us is still rolling around in my mind. I had the great honor of also be participating in an accounting alchemy series of, of uh, uh, webinars with them where we basically did a book club about confronting our freedom over the course of three sessions. So shout out to Ingrid uh, Edstrom and her her crew over there uh, and uh, embrace them for being willing to to talk about this book. And it was it was it was challenging for all of us. There was a lot of agreement, a lot of disagreement. But Here's, you know, right out of the the beginning of it, anxiety is the price you pay for your freedom. This is not a great value proposition. (laughs) Uh, And I I wanted to also share, Ron, a quote from him that he said during our show. And and this has had been been echoing in in my brain since then. He says, the the, the nice thing is that you're at risk no matter what you do. The wish for safety is an illusion. And so why not choose an illusion that better serves you? Yeah. I remember us reading this and I just kept saying, this is the anti-MBA Harvard book. I mean, this is just like confront you. and, And it's the language of philosophy. Which, you know, they even say, they, he even gives you a warning, you know, that, hey, we're going to use different language. Philosophy offers the possibility of providing new ways to explore old ground. It's not the language of the engineer and the economist. It places meaning and experience first and utility and practical action as a follow-on. Um, the ideas are meant to be absorbed and felt. They will work on you. You do not have to work on them. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. And I just, there's so many profundities in here. Um, I love understanding a free will will give us a sense of supreme accountability, the willingness to accept responsibility and blame for all of our acts is a central ingredient in an in, in authentic existence. And that's Peter Kosterbaum who wrote that. Right. And right. Block says, why don't we discuss this in organizations? Perhaps because free will is not amenable to being me- managed or measured. Mm-hmm. How do you measure free will, Ed? <laughs> What's the KPI? <laughs> it's a KPI. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my other favorite line from the book, we talk about driving change as if it were a car. 
It's so good. He also says something on the show, and I think it's in the, in the book too. Is is like I want to help you grow. Oh, great! I'm a plant now. Plant. <laughs> um, but and then it, and he, the well, the great quote about about uh, Costabon too is, is my experience with Peter over the years has been one of occasional frustration. I often have no idea what he's talking okay. about. <laughs> well, the guy was an existential philosopher. I mean, you know, somebody who talks about death, I mean, teaching and writing about life, death, vision, and reality. I mean, but God, these, these things are so important. These concepts mm-hmm. are so important, but they just don't fit the the engineer's view of the, the world that we can, you know, manage everything and optimize everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're dealing with autonomous individuals here with free will. Yeah. And I, I think this story was was not on our show, and I don't think it's in the book. I think this was in it when I was prepping for the show. He, I watched an interview with him, or maybe even participated in a webinar, where he says he was talking about going into a one of one of his his customers or clients, as he called them one time, and you know he was talking about all of this philosophy stuff, and the client pushed back on him and said, "I we 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 brought you in you're, you're for business. What are you talking about philosophy?" And his response was, "No, you brought me in for change. I thought you wanted change. And yes, if we want change, we've got to talk about philosophy." <laughs> Actually, I I love it. it. It's 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 a way to explore old ground, you know, new ways to explore old ground. That's what philosophy is, and yeah, it mm-hmm. uses a different language. It's not one of the utilitarian and, and results driven. It's not about how tos. You know, mm-hmm. it even has a good section in the book about that. Yeah, this book was profound, Ed, and I did listen to it. It was a two parter that you did with Ingrid's alchemy network um three it was actually three. Oh, was it three um yeah oh, okay maybe maybe i only got the first maybe i only listened to the first two but yeah that was a it was profound because it hit people in different ways you know sometimes you you read something in that book and you're like oh my god i can't believe they're talking about this in supposedly a business book you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there it is and yeah peter block it's uh he's always great yeah one one more thing i'll share is because I, I, I really love this when people ask what's in it for me, we should simply say good question, not one I can answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember watching one of his, uh, you know, get togethers that he does. And he says, oh, well, I'm not going to ask you what your expectations are because they're too, probably too low. Too anyway. low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's j- just fantastic and a gr- and a great thinker. Uh, love the fact that we've had him on now a second time in 2023. Uh, let's hope, and he's also in his 80s, by the way, Ron. So, l- l- wouldn't it? What a, what a kick would be to have him and Soul together? Can you imagine that oh, show? Geez. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Yeah, no, so, he's, he's great. So. Well, all right, Ron. Anything else you want to mention before we get out? I think we did once again a great year of uh, books here at the Soul of Enterprise. So yeah, and I've got five more for the Patreon members, um, rounding out so I can round out my top ten. But um, Ed, what's on store for next week? Next week, Ron, we are going to have a conversation about the difference between negative and positive rights. So right in line with Peter Block, we're getting into philosophy here. This is a a really important philosophical point: ne- the difference between negative and positive rights. And I think how that impacts us as a business community, I think there, there's there's definitely a tie in there. Yeah, for sure. Negative rights sounds so counterintuitive, doesn't it? Yeah, especially because those are the good ones. Those, those are, are the good <laughs> ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great, Ed. I'll see you in 167 hours. 
This has been the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy sponsored by Sage building experiences that connect, remove friction and deliver insights. Join us next week on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. In the meantime, please visit us on the web at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. Dot com.